Good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever time you're listening to this. Welcome to another episode of the How Long to Beat podcast. As always, I am Rick, joined by Alex and Paula. Uh, and we're going to get back to regular content. So uh, right at the end of January, we have got a shit ton of beaten, retired and playing games, by which I mean Paula's got a shit ton of games, including <laughs> Gasp, a retirement. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who are you? What have you done with her? Um, once we've cracked through all of that, we're going to jump into the topic this week, and we're very grateful for the wonderful members of the How On Speak Discord who've basically done our topic work for us. Uh, we're going to be talking about the disparity between IGN and Famitsu's recent top 100 games ever list. Uh, more on that when we get there. Uh, and we'll finish off with everyone's favourite, How Long to Beat, to beat the, the Game. The Game. That sounded terrible to me, which means it was probably quite a good one on the recording, uh, which is always nice. <laughs> right, let's... Let's start with you, Pala, to give us a gap when you get to your big chunk. Um, I want to hear your thoughts on Aviary Attorney. So, Aviary Attorney is just plain amazing. Um, please freak, don't die. And from the music to the art, especially the art and the story, everything was excellent to me. Like, the, the story of the game caught me completely by surprise, and all the twists and turns were just... They knocked it out of the park for me. Maybe, bec uh, maybe because I haven't like really finished the greatest attorney, and I feel like Alex had that to compare it to. But for me, a very attorney is what at least the first greatest attorney is trying to do in a way. As in, it takes the attorney formula and just crashes it, and. Like that first case, it really sets up the game for what you're like about to see. Even though it's quite maybe you 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 expected it, some something like on the back of your mind told you, hey, it's gonna happen, this is gonna happen. But in the same way that in these attorney games, like the reveal is what really chucks your like it's like the the good part. I feel uh, on this game is like that in, in a way, like you know what is coming, but the actual reveal is quite shocking and very, very good. So I recommend people to play it. It's a very short game. Um, and especially like Ace Attorney Plans, I think they're gonna get a, a kick out of this one. Yeah, and you said you the didn't get one... the good ending, oh. right? Like you got the other two. Oh yeah, I didn't get the good ending. I got the other two, which I'm still not mad about. Which is funny because I only it... got the good endings. <laughs> we, okay. us together, we fill in all the blanks. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not even mad about it. It's amazing because I didn't get the good ending because I pretty much ran out of time when I realized what I was supposed to, not what I was supposed to do. But I, I ran out of time and then I was thrown into this. Mm. And then I I was like, oh, what if I do this? Will the game let me do this? And I did. So I got the bad ending. I feel like I got the bad end when I played it a while back. I feel like I got the bad ending and then went back and got the good ending. And I think it was worth doing that. So I probably should like try to to either watch the the, the good ending to to know what it was. Because the bad ending was already like quite interesting, so I can't imagine like how it's gonna be like the good ending. Yeah, just find it on YouTube. I 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Any more thoughts on the video journey, Alex? Before I move on. Well, no, I think we said we'll we'll talk about this game a little more next week. I think foreshadowing. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna try and play it again between now and then, and then we'll have all recently beat it. Obviously, I've beat it already, but most of it has slipped my memory because it was like five years ago. Yeah, and it's not a it's not so. like a game that takes long to beat either. So nah, exactly. Okay, so I'm going to move on to Picross, Lord of the Nazarek, again. Excellent Picross game, I think is enjoyed the most by those who are like uh, Overlord fans too. Because there are a lot of scenes from uh, from the anime, and at times I was like trying to like either skip or look away because I, I, I saw a spoiler once and I was like, okay, 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 skip, skip, skip. <laughs> uh, but the, the clip Picross... The image they revealed, oh my god, that is some very good pixel art right there. Yeah, there are some really And the color pictures, yeah, they are just really amazing. And the color pictures was a fun experiment. I, I don't know if, I don't know if it's my favorite, but at the very least I know I like it more than the mega pictures thingy. It's funny, you're like and, one week behind my completions, basically. <laughs> yeah, I just realized, yeah. Literally. <laughs> and finally, um, and this one is going to be a bit of a weird one. And it's, and I'm going to explain why it's Finite of Freddy's on the PC. Because, well, I was at my parents' home during the weekend, during the week, sorry. And, well, my nephew was there and he was like, he really wanted to play Five Nights at Freddy. But at some point I had to start like, we, t- we took turns to complete the nights. But then I have to like complete the last couple of nights, like pretty much by myself because he he couldn't do it. And he was like, hey, please uh, do this for me. Um, I being the good aunt that I am, I just have to apply and finish the game for him. And he's pretty young, right? He's like 11 years old, but... Okay. Yeah, that checks out. Yeah. Seems like so, the right yeah, age, I... you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty much like the right age for him to be like, I'll either focus over financial and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, those are my three completions this week. Nice. One of the... They're like pretty different from one another now that I think about it. So... Oh, I see that both of you have um, retirement, so I'm going to go like alphabetical order. Alex, go uh, ahead. I'll beat a biggin. I'll beat a biggin this week. <laughs> I beat mm. Judgment uh, on the Xbox. This game is so good. So good. Like, okay, so this is like a genius idea and I'm a little worried because I, I think I've heard that like the judgment series might be in like a little bit of parallel or whatnot, just cause like the, they have like, it's a big Japanese celebrity who plays the main guy. And there's like a lot of um, issues with like his, um, his agency and like how his face can be used and whatnot, which I'm actually surprised there aren't more issues like this because frankly, it's pretty legit. Like, it's kind of wild that video games could just kind of take the actors' faces and just be like, and now you could do anything with them. I'm like, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, Massive Tangent, supposedly it's the the only reason that we haven't seen a Crisis Core remake in some capacity. Because yeah. um, whatever the fucking Ginger's name in that game is, um, that whole likeness is taken from a huge Japanese celebrity whose name escapes me. 
Yeah. And um, I, like you say, it's a whole licensing minefield. Yeah. And like, part and he of... also sings one of the songs, which just further complicates it. There you go. And part of me is like, sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, like I like shake my head. But then as someone who's like been an actor for a long time, I'm also like, no, no, they have this. They're fully within their rights to not want their face. Being used I get way. both sides. Yeah. I massively get both sides. Exactly. Right. Like it's one of those cases where I'm like, actually, I understand both of what you're saying here. And like, it's, it's rough, but I'm also just like, yeah, I do get it. Um, especially. And hey, PPSSPP is available. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, judgment, judgment. Oh, what a great idea. So like, it takes you from, um, you know, like the Yakuza games were all, you know, you're a Yakuza, but like, you're never like really a Yakuza. You know what I mean? Like Kiryu's a Yakuza, but like, is he a Yakuza? Like they maintain that he never kills anyone. You know what I mean? Like, he's like one of these guys, like he's like the noble Yakuza, you know? Um, and so like, they've always been like that in the series where it's like, you're seeing all these terrible people, but like, there's this like level of heart to it. And you're not actually like this kind of like violent, like where Grand Theft Auto puts you in the shoes of like, murderers <laughs> yakuza is like no you're going to be in the underground the cd underground but truly the cd underground is it really that cd like it's that kind of you're thing. not a yakuza you're a yakinda yakinda yeah, there yakinda. You go. oh my god yakinda, exactly <laughs> i mean kiryu runs an orphanage at one point in one of the games you know what i mean like he just like leaves that world but in this one you're you're expressly not in the yakuza but you are a attorney who read this get up you you had this big case and also i had to say it's so funny i'm like this is my second favorite game about japanese defense attorneys which <laughs> is an insane sentence that i can say <laughs> and even then that it's like me. real close real close to my favorite <laughs> japanese defense attorney game um so yeah you're this defense attorney and um you defended this guy and then after you got him off, like a few months later, he's murdered his girlfriend and like it like set fire to the house. And so you've decided that you no longer you've like given up the attorney life and now you're a private detective who dresses way too cool. This guy, Yagami, is way too cool. Like I mean, like he's just effortlessly cool throughout it, and you're like, come on. Um, but anyway, it's I, I, I still maintain that the Yakuza games are just superhero games, but the superhero is a yakuza right like because you're really just going around beating the shit out of people like this if you play this and you've if you played yakuza zero like it's it's very much similar to that game so there's no karaoke in this one which takes it down a peg that's for sure um but that's right. <laughs> yeah. um but you're doing like like you're doing investigations so instead of like um side quests they're side cases right um and then you've got the main case and one thing I will say is that there are two elements in this game that are kind of stupid and like they're not that much fun. And it's the tailing missions. Kind of dumb. Like tailing game missions have never really been fun. Though I guess this game is more Assassin's Creed now than any of the recent Assassin's Creeds because you're oh, actually snap. tailing people. Honestly, like you're actually tailing people and finding. Oh shit! He read that. <laughs> I oh. did. <laughs> but you know what's weird though? Like and then there's it. these chase sequences, which are basically just like auto runners where like you're like doing quick time events they're fine they're kind of funny sometimes but like ultimately you 
you could lose them and it wouldn't be a big deal. And the mm. detective elements of this game are a little undercooked. Like there's not that much detective stuff. You do do a few courtroom scenes, which are fun, but you're not approaching any kind of Phoenix Wright shit, though you can tell they're inspired by it. They do have someone show up in a blue suit at one point and you're like, okay. I'm like, I'm sure maybe Japanese lawyer is dressed like this, but come on, we know. We know what's going on here. <laughs> um, so fun little nods like that. But uh, the story, once again, incredible. Such a soap opera. So fucking wonderful. Um, and like huge mystery that is actually super satisfying. The side cases aren't great. Um, some of them are quite funny. There's a series where you're fighting a pervert trio um, that are incredible. Like, um, there's this one guy called Ass Ketchum. Um, and oh, he's a groper. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's a he's bunch a of shit. He's a groper. Yeah, he likes to grope people's asses. Um, so <laughs> Catch them asses. Yeah, right. Okay. Exactly. And so you're like fighting Christ. against him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's incredible. Um, and so that, that those side cases are fun. And there are four girlfriends that you can date. So you there's actually like this dating simulator within it. That's like oh, shit. pretty fun, actually. And like like the characters are so well written. Like each of the women are quite unique and like, and it's full storylines. And so now here's the funny thing, right? Like the game, there's no penalty for dating all four of them. And really there's a, like there's a reason you'd want to, because once you unlock their, like, like once they become your girlfriend, you can basically just text them and go on dates with them. And those dates means it's just you playing mini games against someone. Um, so like darts and stuff like that. Um, so that can actually be kind of fun. But once you've unlocked it, there's nothing to do. Like you don't, you never see the character again. You know what I mean? Um, and so they'll basically, if you date more than one, they'll just like a little thing will pop up once in a while where like Yagami will like, is this considered cheating? Like he'll just a one-off line and then he just keeps going. Like it's no problem. Um, <laughs> and oh I God. actually recommend doing it because honestly, it's a lot of story content and actually good, interesting stories um, for each of them. My only complaint, and I'm like, this is a bit of a Japanese thing, I think, for sure. Every single character is younger than 30. Like, all the girls are younger than 30. And you're 35. One of them is 19. And I'm like, it's, like, whatever, fine. But I see, yeah. I'm like, for the love of Christ, give me a character who is, like, Yagami's age or older. I think that would be actually pretty interesting. But I think part of it's like, yeah, but he's so cool, you know? He dates all, and I was like, all right ease up like there's at least there's one character who's like 29 and you're like she's you know but i'm just i'm sitting here going like come on guys he's 35 like give him another 35 year old to date for christ's sake (laughs) um but i guess not i guess he always has to date younger but anyway that's besides the point uh so yeah oh jesus christ there's too much i could go on with this like it's just it's very well done um they have the sp system and so like you buy like skills and stuff and and what's really nice is that there's like lock picking and like all these like little detective things that you can do but they let you basically buy skills that make all that shit just like so less tedious (laughs) right away like i within like maybe 15 minutes had basically gotten all the skills that i'd wanted to like ease up some of these like tailing missions and things and the tailing missions are weird because sometimes you're tailing someone 
who definitely doesn't think someone's following them. You know what I mean? But they still will pause and like look around. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking? Like, come on. Like, <laughs> you're just like following <laughs> someone who's like, like leaving work or something. And there's no way they're checking to see if anyone's following them. Um, but they do anyway. And so that kind of stuff is like a little weird. And you're like, all right. But like, you have to suspend your disbelief pretty hard anyway. Because like, if they turn around and see you, it starts filling up a meter, but you could be like, like, I'm like right in front of them and they turn around. It's like, like they're like right here. And then I just walk and like crouch behind a car. And I'm clearly the most suspicious person in the entire fucking area. Cause I'm just like crouched behind a car and they're like, oh, it's all good. And just keep going. And you're like, all right, this is a little stupid, but uh, yeah. Anyway, judgment is, is really, really fun. And the animation, like, this is from 2018, so I'm playing it on, like, they released them physically for the Series X. So, and here's another testament for Game Pass. So I played Yakuza 0 and, like, a dragon on Game Pass. But I love that shit so much that I was like, you know what? I want to fucking buy these. Because I'm not sure, again, because of that, like, issue with the face and stuff, I don't know if Judgment's ever going to come to Game Pass. I'm, I'm thinking it probably won't. Um, but even if it does, I don't mind. Um, I just, like, it's just, it's, it's a beautiful game. Like, they really, though... <laughs> It is sort of funny because, like, they're extremely, like, their cutscenes and everything. And, like, I have to say their character models are so good. Like, they are doing some of the best work in character models. But then also, all the enemies are just, like, generic-looking dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, they're very... Okay. Like, I don't know what it... It's just... They are. Like, they all kind of look the same-ish. But then they're, like, slight little variations. But then their characters, like, their actual characters incredible like really really um diverse character designs and just like and i actually i played this one in japanese it has english voice acting but where i found like a dragon's english voice acting was superb this one is good it's good it's just it's it's kind of the first time they've done it since um this kind of like real rough one back in the day. I think it was one of the first yakuza's i don't know they they did they tried it once and it was like bad <laughs> um not to any of the it's not even really any of the actors' faults. It's just like no one knew what they were doing yet. You know what I mean? It was like first time. And so this is kind of the first time too. And I just found it seemed a little off. Like I found that where in Like a Dragon, the character, the voices seemed to really match the people. It didn't really feel like it. So I did it in Japanese and it's super good. Um, and the characters are re- also, you feel less guilty skipping through the dialogue when you do that. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Anyway. I mean, I partially understand some of the words, but I don't know at all. It's been a while since I've been studying Japanese. I'm just like, skip, skip, skip. <laughs> um, anyway, if you've never played a Yakuza game and you're curious about them, this is a perfect game to jump into. There are zero ties to the Yakuza series. Um, the only tie is maybe the fact that you, you like, one of your father figures is a head of a Tojo clan subsi- uh, subsi- subsidiary. There we go. That was hard. Um, so that that's it. Yeah, like goes right over your head, right? So it doesn't even matter. Like Tojo clan is just a clan that you'll hear a lot in the Yakuza series. But okay. other than that, and it's in Kamarocho, right? Which is like a classic place that the Yakuza series has been in very often. But like, there's no like, you know, like they, they don't mention any of the other characters. They don't even exist really. Like it, it might be the same world as Yakuza, but you'd be hard pressed to know that, right? Um, so I think this is a perfect place to jump into the series. Um, maybe Yakuza Zero, if you want to really go there there first, is just as good. But this one's a like a, I wouldn't say shorter, maybe a little bit, little tiny bit. I spent a long time with it. Though. I was like over forty hours, um, because I was having a great time. But anyway, sorry, that's that's enough on judgment. It's just it's super good. 
It's super, super good. Combat's fun. Dialogue's hilarious. It's just good times. Okay. And that's all about your cheat completions. Yes, I have three three cheat completions. Because, <laughs> well, I'm playing Mass Effect right now, so we'll talk about that in a bit. But um, I went and I listened to, um, to you know, Audiobook Life. Drew Karpishin, who's the writer, one of the writers for Mass Effect, the Mass Effect trilogy, uh, wrote a trilogy of books. Um, Mass Effect Revelation, Ascension, and Retribution. And uh, <laughs> these aren't works of art, per se. <laughs> um, I mean, technically... Yeah, t- technically, yes, they are. Um, but there's there's levels, you know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. If you don't like Mass Effect, or if you have never engaged in Mass Effect at all, there's no point reading these books. But if you have, you're gonna, I think you're going to really enjoy them. And particularly as audiobooks, they're quite fun. And so Mass Effect Revelation is actually the story of um, Captain Anderson and Saren's encounter. So it, it's before the first Mass Effect um and it's it's I, I quite enjoyed it and it introduces some characters that you actually get to meet later in the games which is kind of cool actually like you're like oh neat like i was saying mass effect 3 and i was like i met one of the characters from the book and i'm like dope like it's just kind of you know it's that fun sort of intertextual um you know meshing that happens so the first one quite good and in fact i think if you even read it before you play the game it's um like reveals quite a bit but if you read it after playing the first game it's like really satisfying to get more of that um, backstory in there and then ascension follows kaylee sanders um, who's also in revelation so kaylee sanders is kind of like the character who bridges all of these books together um and captain anderson as well but anderson's more in the first and the third one um but in the second one it's about the ascension project which is like this um project for like training biotics and whatnot um who are this whole thing anyway blah blah blah. Nah, i won't get too deep into it but uh it deals with like cerberus um who's like the big um like your ally and antagonist of the second game and it's so each one is kind of set like right before a game came out right like mass effect uh, revelation is for mass effect one ascension is for two retribution is for three um and yeah, I really enjoyed Ascension. You just get more of this like background into the um um into the Corians and whatnot, which I think is pretty cool. Um and it's just like a fun adventure novel. And then Retribution is like the final one that actually explains some plot points about Cerberus um in Mass Effect 3. And actually was pretty satisfying. Maybe you want to go back and play it, which we'll talk about later in playing. Um, because I was like I've, I've been wanting to get back into it again anyway after I stopped and I was like okay let's this is the time now I'm like back in on the lore I've got the stuff and it explains some cool things that actually let you're like oh this makes sense now um and it does some really cool stuff about um reaper indoctrination which is like a big part of the games and obviously you never get to experience that because you're playing a shepherd but in this one it puts you into the like mind of someone who's being indoctrinated and uh it's really cool the the way that they do that and like kind of flesh out that world and how that how that experience works um so yeah i really recommend these for anyone who's a mass effect fan they're pretty short little reads um when you listen to them they're technically nine hours they do it at double speed so you know it's like four hours or so uh, of a listen they're like quick breezy military-esque type novels you know um he's done like th- this is the writer who's done a lot of the um the star wars stuff like he did like the darth bane series i think like rule of two and all that um so yeah if you enjoy those i think you'll enjoy these as well all right that's it that's my those are my cheat completions <laughs> rick what about you <laughs> so i've got three actual completions uh, the first of which was also my uh, my Switch cherry, and that was Cuphead. 
This is a great game. I was blown away by this, and it sort of absorbed me for the week that I spent sort of playing and beating it. Which is a big ask, because Boss Rush games, and I think I said this last week, you know, I was sort of playing it still. Not really usually my jam, but Cuphead, apart from having, like, a few sort of run-and-gun segments, it's just a really, really well-balanced game. And I remember when it was being developed, it took a long-ass time to come out, but you can tell that they spent that time while everything is so finely balanced. All the systems feel like they complement each other. Uh, The animation and the art and the visual design all is amazing in its own right, but it's also all in service of the game itself. Um, None of that more so than the parry mechanic. Everything in terms of colouring and the way it's all set up is designed around making that pop and making that really feel like a worthwhile part of the mechanics and that's important in a game like this where otherwise it is generally just jump shoot shoot jump Mm. equally that sort of ties into the enemy design which you know it had a couple of wobbles but almost entirely blew me away um really really strong and varied with it which also helps in a game where essentially you're stuck in a single panel doing the same thing for about 10 hours um i can't recommend this game hardly enough i really really had an excellent time with it uh great introduction to the switch was perfect for the pickup put down ability of that um so easy to to sort of beat a boss on a train journey or pick it up for a couple of like attempts at a boss before bed and then put it back down on the bedside cabinet and stuff like that it's a really good game and a really good platform on which to play that game and on the Switch screen, it still sings. You know, it's a smaller screen, but it's quite close to your face, and you can see some of the intricacies of the animation. Um, I found that also with the Swapper when I played it, where I played it on PC first, and it looked great. But when I played it on Vita, on that small screen closest to your face, you really see some of the intricate details of, uh, in that game's case, the claymation work and some of the real-life asset building that they've done. Um, I think having it having it on a handheld like that really works in service of a strong art style like this one. So definitely recommend the game. Feel like Switch is a great place to play it if you can. Uh, I imagine it's great on PS4 or Xbox or PC if not. Um, And actually on the topic of the Vita, I'm pretty sure there's someone in the homebrew community that's ported the first couple of bosses to Vita. So you can technically play this on Vita as well if you don't mind playing like 5% of the overall content (laughs) and leaving it. But yeah, I... The whole game is really, really good. Next on the list, God of War 3 Remastered. This was a throwback for better and for worse. Uh, Game design has come along massively since these games were in vogue. And while I still had a great time going back to it, the experience definitely dragged a little bit. It all did feel a little bit one note, both mechanically and uh, narratively. I think if I hadn't already played all of the Greek God of War games bar Ascension, I would have probably been much less inclined to power on with this because it is kind of mindless. Um, and I think you, you're very easily spoiled for choice now when you look at, you know, say Platinum's output and some of the other sort of spectacle fighters that are available. Hell, you go back to God of War. 2018, right? Like, I mean, shit. I, or even, but I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, I haven't played that yet. I need to play Ascension first. And then once I've boxed off the Greeks, I feel comfortable that I can then move on to the Norse. Um, but it's it's very obvious to me 
going back to God of War, how easy it is to spam one or two combos and just brute force almost everything. You know, it, mm. and I think three does a better job than any of the other games that I've played of it in forcing you to move out of those strategies a little bit, uh, depending on specific enemies, enemy configurations. Um, it gives you four weapon sets. I found that I never was really inclined to use any of them bar the basics of um, chains. And I think that's a, a downside. Um, ditto some of the side objects. I found it rare that I felt the compulsion to sort of use any of my arsenal. But, you know, it's still a good time. I still enjoyed going through it. Um, however, I think unless you've played some of the God of Wars already, it's a hard series to go back to. And it's definitely a hard sell for anyone who hasn't already experienced any of them. Because I think that that element of nostalgia and also sort of a, a warm, cozy feeling of returning to that, because I played the other games sort of piecemeal between one, two, both of the PSP games, Chains of Olympus and Ghost of Sparta, which are, by the way, fucking incredible portable experiences. It's, it's like God of War games proper, just in your hand. You know, at the time when they came out, that was really amazing. But yeah, I know, really going back and emulating more. Oh, they're, they're great. And I think they are arguably better than the mainline games because in fitting it all onto UMD, they actually end up cutting a lot of the fluff and the, the filler puzzles, which are fine, but mm -hmm. really not the game's strength at all. Um, the PSP games were the truest distillation of sort of the all killer, no filler situation that God of War at the time tended to be. It's just fight, move, fight, move, fight, move in the best possible way. Mm. Um, and I think if you're ever to go back to any of them, because they're prequels and they're such nice self-contained little stories uh, and there's less of the melodrama that's sort of um, <laughs> it's, it's all encompassing with the mainline games. I think they're the ones that I'd recommend going back to um, over any of the mainline entries. Well, it is. And I'm hoping that I've gone. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, it is funny. No, like, it feels like the, ori the original, like, I just was looking, I was like, holy shit, God of War 3 was 2010. I'm like, that's fucking nuts. That's when I graduated mm -hmm. high school. I'm like, Jesus. So, like, I'm like, look at that. I'm like, that has been a while. But it, it actually feels a little bit like God of War 1, 2, and 3 are, are 300, right? Like, that's what those games, like, are kind of aspired in that era you know like the action sure. like a spectacle kind of um bleh, kind of games and then god of war 2018 feels like it's just like everyone grew up or something like well it's like all the developers had kids you know what i mean like, it's like like it feels like god of war is the young like we're young we've got all this like fire and we're just gonna make some shit and now god of war feels like that kind of like we're older now more experienced more um like We've, we've just got more under our belts and like creating this even more refined experience and both have their merits, but I think you're right. Like when you're going back to it now, it's a little like, Oh yeah, that was an era of gaming, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and if you are going to check it out, like they remade or remastered the PSP ones for mm -hmm. PS3 or again, PPSSPP is available to you. Um, the last game I played and one you should absolutely not go and play by contrast <laughs> A little game called Mystopia. Oh, this game's dog shit. You're laughing, Alex. This is truly, utterly dog shit. In, in the way it is... It, it, it's not bad in a way that's interesting. It's by no means good. It is painfully mediocre and insultingly boring. It's not good. It took me about an hour and a half to play. There's like five enemies. There's two bosses, and they're bosses in the sense that they're bigger. But they don't have attack <laughs> patterns. They have attack. Oh, no. That they... Oh, it's oh, shit. Man. It's truly, truly shit. 
I don't, I don't want to dwell on it. It's just bad. Like, the port job is fine. It's a rattle like a port. It's a bare bones port. The underlying game is the problem. The game is atrociously, terribly dull. And there is no reason that you should ever check this game out. Man, you know it's rough when on the App Store, it has a one star. And then on the Google Play App Store, it has a 2.3. Like, for $4, Ugh. that's rough. That's bad. <laughs> oh, and, and I didn't pay $4. I paid, like, 50 pence. It was, like, in... um. It was in the January sales, and it was like, oh, this game's like an hour on HRTV. Looks kind of neat. I don't need to look too much into this. I'll just buy it and try it. Just give it a shot. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I actually begrudged the fact that I completed this game, because it's only because it was so short. And I was like, there's got to be something. There's nothing. Oh, Forget this game. I didn't oh, talk about God. this game. It needs no space in your brain. Mm. Paula, I want to know what the fuck you retired. What happened? <laughs> oh, mainly because since I'm back here in and at my apartment, I don't really want to keep playing Final Fantasy 2, which, by the way, these games just kind of like escalate in difficulty between titles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Final Fantasy 2's like, first couple of levels are harder than the Final Fantasy 1, I guess, three levels or so. Like, and this game is gonna like stay retired unless my. I, I get to take care of my nephew again and we are back into it. So this is a retired for now, maybe forever <laughs> sort of thing. Nice. So Alex, tell us about Evergrade. Yeah, I just this is a great game. Like I don't want anyone to think like this game is like a bad game. It's a good platform. It's ever great. It's ever great. There you go. Yeah. And I actually would I think people should check it out, especially if they can grab it on sale, because like it's a small developer. Um, and I think maybe it's, it might suffer a little bit from looking like Ori, but it's not that, uh, it's just, it's good stuff. <laughs> um, I just retired it because I'm, pl- I'm playing SMT five. That's like literally it. Like I was like, <laughs> I don't, I don't got fucking time to play a platformer and that game. Like on my switch, I gotta, I gotta commit to one right now. And like, it's SMT five. So <laughs> I was just like, goodbye Evergate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, Rick? I'm, I, I think I'm, uh. Ham ham heart. Are you ham ham heartbroken? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I fucking love that. That's great. Uh unlike the game, which is just fine. Yeah. I it's it's a vibe, but it is slow. Uh, okay. And like so I mean, for I'm anyone not who's not playing along <laughs> for anyone who's not playing along with the game of the month this month, it is finally Ham Ham's moment in the sun. Um, Ham Ham Heartbreak is a Game Boy Advance game based on the anime uh, Ham Ham Hataro or whatever. It's just Hamtaro. the other way uh, around whatever. the first. <laughs> it's based on an anime about fucking hamsters. So, <laughs> Which I watched game. the shit out of as a child because it actually came to Canada for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... uh, it's weird because it's an adventure game mm. from a top-down perspective where everything is based on like little hamster noises. And I love that concept on paper. And there were moments in the opening level that I played where it was actually really quite cute. And, you know, you hear other people say little things. You're like, oh, shit, I can do that now. And you, like, make a noise and you, you know, Hmm. um, tell someone that their friend's crying or, you know, whatever it is. The problem is they, they played it too far out. They sacrificed the game at the altar of this idea that they had. Mm. So, you know, you can't just pick items up. You have to open the menu. 
you have to scroll down to the pick up item voice command. You have to scroll through a slow ass dialogue box of your hamster making the same noise command. And then they pick up the item and it, it's just pointless and it gets in the way of itself. Game's fun. Like, you know, as an adventure game, it functions. The art is real nice. Um, the puzzles were, were fairly easy to pass in, in a way that still sort of felt engaging. I just don't have time for that shit. And, and almost a little bit like your Evergate situation, like there's games I want to play that respect my time. So, you know, I gave it a try. I had my fill. It's not bad. It's just not good enough to get over how anemic and slow it is. Mm. That's it. Right. That's so playing what we're going to do, and this is becoming a bit of a theme. Paola's going to do some of her playing. And then me and Alex are going to dip in and then Paola's going to finish her playing. <laughs> Unlike any of the games that she's been playing, because she's clearly not finished any of them. Why don't you Oops. kick us off, Paola? <laughs> <laughs> your fingers need to start slipping again you need to like start finishing some of these games <laughs> i know i know it's just that okay so first of all i haven't been come my nephew has been like uh i guess like dictating some of the games that i'm playing mm-hmm. plus yeah, it's not your fault okay i hear you uh, <laughs> should play at 3 a.m yeah jesus <laughs> yeah I mean, like, get it up, like, at 3 a.m., and, and I can't go back to sleep. And oh. So I play a little bit and then go back to sleep, finally. So this is Paula's insomnia corner. <laughs> yeah, this is my insomnia corner over here. <laughs> so there's some that I won't talk much about. There's some that I'll talk a little bit more about. I think those I'll leave for the second half of the show. But, okay, so first of all, Animal Crossing New Horizons, I'm back. I'm back on the Stunks game, and I pretty much spent a lot of money, and hopefully I'll get some revenue from that. And also my sister has been playing, so she helped me, like, butter some plants and to get hybrids and stuff like that. Yeah, for the, okay. for the listeners at home, we got a picture of Paola just stood in her crossing house with a room, and I cannot stress this enough, full of turnips. <laughs> yep. There's a room full of turnips on my house. It's like the second floor room for those who are listening and have been playing Animal Crossing too. Oh, um, anyway, uh, I have a little list of games, which I call I Blame My Nephew for this. So mainly Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So we've been playing multiplayer for this. Um, Minecraft for Windows, because um, things game pass i don't have to buy minecraft to to play minecraft with my nephew because crossplay is a thing and we really we played a little bit of multiplayer we have to stop because motion sickness kicked in and we oh there's actually one more playing but anyway um the thing is is that (laughs) Uh, we he he was watching some YouTube channel and and they were doing like a capture the flag challenge. So it's like okay, you're playing with a friend, you have a certain amount of time to capture their flag, and they can do like whatever. And the person who is like protecting their their flag can like die any number of times. But if the person who is trying to capture the flag dies one one time, uh, it's over for them. So. I got demolished because, well, the little rascal is pretty quick at Minecraft. 
Uh, that's how I'm gonna say. Uh, also, motion sickness doesn't really help, so I have to like move everything slowly, otherwise I puke. And and well, Paula just lost the game of Capture the Flag multiple times. The other game that I played because my neighbor was like, "Hey, play a horror game! Play a horror game!" For some reason, he was fixated that I had to play a horror game because I think I I made a comment about like. Finites afraid of being like too scary for me. So he was like, hey, play something that you find scary. So Amnesia, the Dark Descent, is making an appearance on my on my to play list. And oh my god, it is so trippy. Because you're like dropped into this mansion and you have like to uh, something about your you you don't have any memories. You don't know how do you got there, and you pretty much have to get out of there. And the beginning section of the game isn't like too bad. The thing is, when it is dark, your character, your the main character starts hallucinating, both visually and like via sound, I guess. And the further we got, the scarier it started to get, or the more trippier it started to get. <laughs> and at some point, I just like had to nope out of it, like for the day. And that's that. He he wasn't like listening because I was like, I had the headphones on, and with the headphones on, I feel this game has more of an impact than if you don't actually listen to any sounds. Um, but yeah, I I don't think I've encountered like the first monster, which I remember what it was. I think because it's not the first time someone has made me play this game. <laughs> Um, but I knew it was like close and I was like, nope, nope, nope. I'm not doing this today. I'm not out of it. Uh, and then we, I went and played a slime rancher just for the happy slimes and like to sleep tight at night because, uh, I was spooked. Then for the multiplayer games, uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, we tried out Sora with my boyfriend. And then we did our classic like main versus main character, uh, best out of three final destination kind of thing. And Age of Empires 4, which by the way, we've been improving a lot on our game. And we each have like a very specific role on the team to fill. Which means when we actually play one-on-one, -on -one, we're probably getting both demolished. Hmm. In some way, by the because like we're too used to play as a team, and then I'm gonna just fire through some of these uh, single player games because Poly Rich, I I've completed like a couple of levels, and this final world I'm gonna call is hard as balls, and not only that, it's starting to be a little bit unfair. So I don't know if this this one is gonna be on the retired pile or the completed pile next week, or in a couple of weeks. Um, Fire Emblem Genealogy of the Holy War, I just got a little bit further to, through the current chapter, which is chapter two, me thinks. Uh, fitness boxing, because um, I wanted to complement like my daily routine. And this is pretty much a cardio box game, so it's a rhythm game, and oh my god, everything hurts now. <laughs> not the Ritual of the Night. I This one, like I just started the game, so not much to say. Besides that, it looks amazing and the story looks 
kind of interesting so far, I guess. And then Pokemon Shining Pearl, which I, this is kind of like a game which I wanted like, to go through a little bit, but then I got past the sixth gym and I promised my boyfriend I would help, I will um, wait for him because we're like going at the same pace here. So in the meantime, I just followed my nephew and helped him evolve some of his Pokemon. And then Amnesia Crowd, uh, which I play about like half an hour of it. And what I gather from the structure of this game is that you have these suspense kind of like routes where it's like, oh, you got the happy ending, but the happy ending doesn't always lead to the happy ending kind of thing, mm. which I call bullshit for because come on. It's an Otome game. I got the happy ending. I got the happy ending. But at the very least, like, I'm getting like some new characters introduced, which weren't in the previous two games, which is interesting, to say the least. And I'm going to stop here for now on my uh, playing, <laughs> because there's like five more, which I'll say for later. Why don't I jump in next? Because you two have got a shared game, which probably is a nice segue back in. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk firstly about two games, which I, three games that I'm going to have finished definitely for next time we record. Uh, first one of those is Deadbolt for Vita. So this is a replay for me. Uh, I'm on to the second half of the game. Um, it's at the point where it's starting to get a little bit trickier, but that's always where it's fun because you have to try new things and, and move the systems around. Still a great game. I, it pains me to say it, it's better to play on PC than Vita, but it's still great on Vita. Um, and it was great on PS4 when I played it there as well. Great game wherever you play it. It's a really lovely, well put together game. And Hoppo did a great job on this, as they've done on all their games. Um, I'm also quite close to beating Sable. So um, slightly in a weird place with this. So this is Game Pass. Pe- blah, 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 blah. This is a Game Pass playthrough for me. Um, and it was a little bit rushed, partially because my three months were coming towards an end. Also because there's a game leaving on the 1st of February called Cyber Shadow that I wanted to play. Um, That Cyber Shadow stress is still there, uh, but the Game Pass one is not um, because without sort of getting too much into details, I'm going to get 12 months of Game Pass free, um, which is pretty cool. So yeah, listen, I I still have my problems with the service, but if it's free, I'm not going to say no. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But I am quite close to beating Sable. It's still wonderful. It's such a vibe game. Um, Quite a few songs from the soundtrack have like made it into some of my playlists, like away from gaming. Um, I like Japanese breakfast before and and the music that she's done for this game. It's incredible. Wonderful. Especially Glider, the, um, the sort of the theme track that plays as you come out of the the prologue section into the world proper. Ah, such a beautiful track. Um, It's a lovely veg out game. The art, gorgeous. The gameplay, quite relaxing. There's no combat to speak of. It's purely traversal and exploration. And it does a really wonderful job of um, popping things up in your periphery and and, and building things into conversations and quest markers and, and encouraging exploration in a way that feels quite organic and everything about the game comes together to make it a really enjoyable laid-back experience in that way in a way that that games don't always do um but more and more are starting to and i think this is a really great sort of poster child for that kind of um more relaxed explorative gameplay um 
with more of a meaning to it than the whole Proteus sort of here's a sandbox go have a look I guess kind of thing I think I think it does more to structure it in a way that's really positive um and and really sort of benefits the game um and then the final of the three that I'm pretty confident that I'll beat in the next week just because of how much I'm fucking loving it uh it's box boy and box girl for the switch this is one of the big exclusives that I was so excited to play when I got one um off the back of the previous three box boy games that I played in the 3ds while I still think it's best to play them in the order that they're released if you have access to a 3ds this one's still an excellent jumping off point um as with all of the games in the first few worlds it sort of reintroduces all the mechanics and ramps it back up um i'm at the point now where i'm like on world 13 and it's really at the point where it's starting to throw challenges and new mechanics from even all of the previous games into the mix uh and does so in a really nice tiered manner where you can sort of muck about and just get to the end or there's a really well implemented sort of three star system in terms of how few boxes you can complete it with. Uh, there's optional crowns to collect. They operate a little bit like star coins in use of Mario Brothers. But at the core of the game is always that core mechanic of getting from A to B with boxes to solve and move around hurdles, roadblocks, things like that. It is almost the opposite of Sable, where it is pure mechanics. The whole thing's basically black and white. But that's fine because you don't really need color except the spatterings of it that you throw in. It's all about the mechanic. And that mechanic is so simple and yet so flexible and scalable. And again, does an incredible job of building on it in ways that feel natural, but also really stretch everything you've learned to do with those mechanics and those systems and the, the tools that, that it gives you. Excellent game. I, I could wax lyrical about this forever. How Labs have done a phenomenal job with this series uh box boy is an excellent starting point it's also an excellent continuation um and again perfect on switch just excellent to pick up and put down for five minutes a few levels a train ride while you've got tv on it, it just really really is excellent for that platform nice three more games just to hit really really quickly um it takes two i've played more of this this game is wonderful and it, it's made by the interactions you have with the person that you're playing it with um if you've got someone's game with, cannot recommend it highly enough. I think it's an excellent jumping off point for, you know, partners, family members who don't really game as well. Because while it is sort of two stick camera control and movement control, which sometimes can be a bit of a, a daunting thing, very little of it is done in such a way that you can't just stop and reorient and sort of build into those mechanics. Mm. Uh, and the game has so much heart. It, it It's really nicely put together. Um, really, I, I think to call it Pixar is a stretch, but it has that kind of all ages feel, kind of a colourful, vibrant thing going on. Great fun all round. One of one of the few bright spots in EA's recent act, outlook output. Um, I'm technically still playing The Witcher. I'll be real. I I've not really touched it this calendar year, but you know it's still on the docket. I still remember all the controls. I am going to come back to it soonish. Um, and finally, Crimson Shroud on the 3DS. I think I talked about this briefly last week. Haven't played a whole lot more, um, but I really love its approach to storytelling as like a D and D one player one shot where the computer is the the dungeon master. 
Uh, I think that's a really cool concept. I'm shocked that more games haven't tried to do it um, in, in such an overt way. I suppose a lot of games sort of do it in a in a roundabout way, but this is really upfront about like your characters are little die, die cast models that we're going to move around this space. Uh, you're going to roll the dice for it. Um, we're going to narrate it in such a way as it feels like that's the environment you're in. And I think that's a really cool way forward. I'm quite excited to see how Tiny Tina um, takes that concept when it does it on a larger scale this year well there's a really assuming it comes out like you're talking about this there's a really i mean this will foreshadow i'm going to talk about it a bit but there's a very hugely popular vr game right now called demio that is basically just that you play like the cards and like uh, rolling and it's D campaigns essentially like mm. and like it, the idea is that you can play it single player but really it's meant to be played with friends and so you're all around this big table doing campaigns with each other and so you, you know you could like move your character around and like you're selecting things to do and stuff and it's like that whole like concept and apparently it's gotten really popular so yeah and and, and you know i'm not saying no game's ever fucking done this like no, obviously no, no. hand of fate one and two exist that was a little bit overly aggressive. I didn't mean that like <laughs> at you. That's just the word. <laughs> Let's try again. Obviously, <laughs> the games have done this before. Like Hand of Fate 1 and 2 exist. Tiny Team is coming up. There's Demio that you've mentioned. There are other games around it, but... Um, it's just hard to do well, right? Yeah, I, su- I suppose so. It, it's a different narrative take. Uh, it's the first time I've come across it. Like, I consider myself someone who's relatively plugged into gaming and what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure there's more going on in the indie space, but to my mind, it's the first example. Like, it definitely predates Hand of Fate. Um, yeah. And I'm sure little things have happened before, but I'm surprised there aren't more games that do it than the ones I'm aware of existing. Let's put it that way. Um, and it's it's good fun. It's nicely suited to the 3DS. It takes good advantage of the 3D. Again, nice fun little ones sort of pop up and pop away as and when. Um and that is me in terms of my play. So if you want to talk Oculus and, and all that VR good stuff, Alex, that's probably a great segue for you to jump in because you've got quite a few Oculus playings. Yeah, and there'll be many, many more <laughs> coming soon. Um, mm. they, got, they got good old daily deals. Um, so, uh, yeah, I got an Oculus Quest 2. Um, despite my fervent hate of Facebook, I'm never calling them meta. They can suck my meta dick um for all i care <laughs> i'm not calling them that They're that's great guys. shit talking there alex yeah. that's so good <laughs> my dick. now that's an episode title right there, there. You go. <laughs> meta dick. yeah there you go i'm like fuck you i know who you are you're facebook don't give me that shit um and this is oculus you could so. say your you could say your metaverse <laughs> to the company ah there you go ah. <laughs> yeah but what i will say is man they have made a good mother fucking vr headset this yeah. is first off it's affordable and like here's the thing I, i've heard people complain about because it it's like you know oh it's got that shitty strap and stuff but like i've got that i've got it the strap is fine it's not great but here's the deal to reduce the price point it's worth it because yeah i've bought myself a nicer one with like a little battery pack that's coming soon but i'm also willing to do that you know what i mean like i'm a little more in the enthusiast space where like i don't mind spending extra money on things but this has really unlocked like the amount of people who have gotten a quest 2 i didn't even realize it until i started like ordering one like this thing has sold gangbusters over the last uh, few months and because truly mobile um vr is incredible like i had the psvr you know and i i was hooked into that thing and listen to me 
that motherfucking thing felt like I was going into the matrix. It was like, connect to this one, connect this one, insert it into your brain. And then also I got to put the headphones on because there's no sound on the thing. So I've got conk. And so like, oh my God, dude, it was like, and like the wires were thick. Like they were big fucking wires. You know, like you're mm. like, holy shit. And then you got the PS camera set up and uh, the move controllers don't have analog sticks. So these only work sometimes. And you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, and, and even then it was great. Like Resident Evil 7 was one of my favorite experiences, but I sold my PSVR a while ago and I sold it for the cost of my quest too. So I feel justified. <laughs> but then this is also the thing with VR as a whole, like sure enthusiast tech will do it better. Like you buy yourself a Vive or yeah. whatever the equivalent is now. Like you want to drop that money, you're going to get that experience. But if you want devs to make the games for it, you have to get buy-in and getting buy-in is making it cheap enough, good enough, convenient enough. My- uh, and even VR two with the one cable, like, that's still, like you say, better than the jungle that you had prior. One cable, no cable, that's the dream. You get enough people in at that point, sure, use your five-figure setup and, and have fucking at it. But yeah. you, it, it, you have to get both ends. Exactly. And this is so easy to pick up and just put on and go. And, yeah. like, the thing is, I can hook it up with one little cable to my soon-to-come laptop and play me some Half-Life Alex, like through mm. Arden's Link, right? So this is a mobile headset that can also be just a PC VR headset. And it's like, this is this is the, this is it. Like, as far as, like, obviously yeah. I'm because I've got it, but I'm like, no, this is it. Like, I, for the first time, I'm like, VR, it's hit the mainstream now. Like, we're good. Like, I finally feel confident in VR's, like, continuation, you know? Um, and I have to say, like, I, um, I used to get pretty motion sick when I was playing PSVR, but I think my experience playing it because i played it for quite a while and i went through quite a few titles on it um has made it so that i'm way way better now like i still get a little queasy sometimes in certain games but not bad at all and like never enough um but i will admit sometimes when you take off the headset i have experienced a little bit of disassociation occasionally like where my body feels like it's moving in one direction but i'm not and i'm like oh that's weird (laughs) like your brain's definitely Um. going like oh man vr it's crazy, but you just, you get more and more used to it as you're playing. Like it, it really mm. is like, you just got to take your time and like get used to it. Um, it's a little bit like when you're like on a treadmill and then they like get off the treadmill. Yes. It's exactly that feeling. <laughs> you get off the treadmill and you're like, Whoa, you know, like <laughs> I was, I was moving, but I wasn't moving. Um, yeah. I think Paula VR might completely fuck you up especially where (laughs) (laughs) i just i mean you've got some issues with just first person shooters and i'm like i don't know how you would handle this maybe it would be the total opposite maybe your body would be totally fine with it because you're actually like immersed but i don't know um but anyway it is wonderful i'll put it that way um so i'm playing a couple games right now um because they've had a lot of these daily deals and stuff and i I will say like if you're getting into this like this is definitely an (laughs) i would say an enthusiast thing like it's a it's a luxury and aren't all video games in general a luxury right but it's very much a luxury purchase in the sense that you're gonna spend a fair bit of money on this thing (laughs) like you just are um because but also because it's worth it and there's a lot of fun games and there aren't really any games and like this is what's interesting to me is that even the most expensive game is like 45 dollars cad um and that's for Resident Evil 4, which, of course, is an older game. Um, but, you know, it's completely redone in VR. And even some of the, like, you know, like even Beat Saber was only, like, 34 bucks CAD. And I got, like, one of the referral links, so they gave me, like, 35 Anyway, so I just <laughs> got it for free. Yay. Um, but, like, 
it just feels more worth it because the games are just cheaper. And of course, that also comes with the caveat that it's a digital-only store. So there's all those issues there. Like, there's a lot of issues with all this stuff. Um, but it's just really fun. <laughs> like, I started playing In Death Unchained, which is a roguelite um, archery game. Oh, this game is so good. And it, something I've found that's interesting is that when I look up reviews of VR games, I'm noticing this trend with a lot of them that... Um, this is really a system with very constant updates. Like even just single player games are getting updated a lot. <clears throat> like Resident Evil 4, it doesn't have mercenaries mode yet, but they're adding it this year. When In Death Unchained first came out um, on the on the Oculus, uh, on the Quest 2, it didn't have full locomotion. And this is a thing you'll hear about a lot is like full locomotion, right? Versus teleporting. Um, because teleporting uh, is okay. a bit more common. Yeah. And I actually will admit the teleportation in it, because you teleport by shooting arrows, uh, is actually really useful because the locomotion that they added later is a bit slow. Um, so sometimes, and like, this is a hard game. Like, it's it's very much a roguelite in the sense of, it's like, we're going to kick your ass. And you're like, oh shit. So sometimes you're like, yeah, I'm going to teleport. But it's really intuitive and fun. Like, you've got a shield to like block arrows coming at you and you're shooting your arrows and like you're dodging, moving around. And like, it's... Man, when you start getting into it, it is like fuck yeah! Like the enemies are coming at you, and you're just like, no, fuck you! Shoot you in the face! Get your like, get your like burn arrows! And I'm like, ah, oh, dude, it's great. Um, so yeah, really fun, very replayable. Uh, one game that I'm playing right now that it's not like good, um, but it's really fun. So it's 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 called Death Horizon Reloaded, and like it's basically a zombie shooting gallery though you have full locomotion and moving around. Like, I think it was one of those games that started with teleportation, but then it added locomotion to it. And with locomotion, it's very good. And the reason I'm playing this one first is because I just bought the Walking Dead Saints and Sinners VR game, which is apparently like, it's like the holy grail of VR at this point. Like, it's just, besides Half-Life Alex, right? It's like a full-fledged, like, 20-something hour game. Um, that's just incredible. And I was like, well, I don't want to play that first because they'll just ruin this game for me because it's definitely better than this one. But in this one, you're just kind of going through like, it's like, imagine you're playing the last level of a Resident Evil game where you're in like a lab or something and that's what you're doing. You're basically going from one like checkpoint safe room to another um, and all generic. Like there's really only like four or five enemy variations or something like that. And they're all just zombies. But you've got like... It, it's just really fucking fun to like hold that gun and just fucking shove it at a zombie's head and blow it up. You know, like you're like, <laughs> and you can like, uh, you can like manually reload your weapons and stuff too. Though I will say you get a desert Eagle in this game and that's all you need. Like that is literally all you need. And maybe one of the like the AR 15s or something because that desert Eagle, man, it like blows a zombie's head up in like one shot. And they give you a shotgun at one point, but you have to, you have to like, you know, pump the shotgun and i find it doesn't reliably work so sometimes i'm just like pump and i'm like no pump it oh shit which one and then i'm dead so i was just like fuck it desert eagles bam 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 no problem at all um so anyway it's one of those games where i like this is a solid like six or seven game but it's just like in vr like if this were a game not in vr this would be like a two for me do you know what i mean like it would be a trash game i'd be like this is a dumb game but when you put it in vr 
it's pretty fucking awesome, <laughs> you know? And like, there's these climbing segments where like you, you know, you're like climbing up these big pipes and everything. And like, if zombies come at you, you can shoot while holding off the pipes and stuff. And that's fucking, that's dope. I wish there was actually more climbing shit going on in it because the climbing is really fun. And like, at one point you have to like go through holes. So you have to like hold onto a big pipe and like lower yourself down and drop. And you're like, this is cool. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, it's a silly damn game. Uh, it doesn't look very good either. It's not. It's not very. Uh, <laughs> a little rough. Looks like maybe like the PS2 era, you know. <laughs> but like, wow, not like their bad. loading screen is like, yeah, but like, but in VR it doesn't seem that bad. Do you know what I mean? Like you're in there and it seems good, but then you think about it a little bit and you're like, that's a pretty flat fucking texture, <laughs> you know. And like I don't know. And like their loading <laughs> bar is just this like blue loading bar that looks like it's on like a flash game. But it was like 10 bucks, do you know, like on sale. And, you know, I'm like, this is a $10 game and I'm having a blast. And it's not very long either. I'm almost done, I think. So it'll be done soon. Um, anyway, I'm also playing Beat Saber. Oh, I get it. I get it. Like, people are It's talking, so good. It's so <laughs> fucking good. Like, oh, I played it once on VR and it's it sold me. Like oh. that, it's the real deal. It is, man. And the Oculus, um, Oculus has built-in he- uh, speakers, and they're really good. Ah, uh, so it's just firing straight in. Yeah, and and like I, apparently on the first Oculus, they were kind of facing outward a little bit, like what the Switch did. I actually feel like the Oculus, like the Quest Two, is like the Switch in that it's tapped into something special here, and it's it's not as powerful as the others. But they were like, that's not what people give a shit about, man. They give a shit about this portability, mod- uh, mobility, and, and ease of use. And I'm like, that's what this is. But these, in the Quest 2, the speakers are more facing towards you, and like they're shooting the sound in your ears. And I got to admit, like when I put on my like nice Audio-Technica headphones, I... Uh, I can't fucking tell a difference between that and the fucking built-in sound. Like, I'm like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like I'm sure audiophiles are like cringing, but the immersion of not having headphones on your head is pretty impressive. Um, and feels great. So yeah, I, I just beat saber is dope and I'm going to, you know, go through and, you know, um, unlock the stuff so I can mod it and put in custom songs and everything. So that the game just becomes infinitely playable. It's, Oh, Mm. And make it so oh. hard. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I, I, I so has separate thing. Finish your point, man. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it gets fucking hard. It, it, it's very much the Guitar Hero Rock Band joy that I, I missed in my life. But yeah. Mm. And and by contrast, I've gone back and looked at Death Horizon. You're right. It looks kind of dog shit. Oh yeah, but again, in VR, it's really fun. <laughs> like I would say, it's one of those games where I'm like, don't knock it until you try it in VR, because my god um it's just yeah yeah but it looks like dog shit like if you look at it it's gonna look it's gonna look real bad <laughs> screenshots are bad yeah <laughs> even the video the like the youtube video on the website it's like yeah. this is the best bits you could find and you're right ps2 assets is absolutely the way yeah. to describe it and again but, and like, you know. this is what's weird though with vr it's like it's so hard to ex- ex- kind of explain it at times because like it really is, unfortunately, one of those things that you just can't tell until you actually like play it, right? Because so, and sometimes you think you know what it'll look like, and then you get into it, and you're like, "Oh, never mind, I had no idea." <laughs> you know? Like it's just like whoop yeah. pops you, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is one of those. But again, if you see it on sale, it's a really fun like two and a half hours or so. You know what I mean? Um, but it's uh, listen, if you if you're gonna get Walking Dead 
buy that over this game. Um, <laughs> but if you want something simple to just kind of like go to town, that's it. So anyway, Beat Saber, good game. Uh, another game that I'm playing, Journey of the Gods. Yo, this is fucking Zelda Oculus Quest, and I'm fucking in, mm. man. Ooh. Oh, it is. Okay, you know how the little enemies, like little monster enemies in games, you're like, fuck these pieces of shit. I can cut these guys right away. They're a lot scarier when they're, when they're full-sized in front of your face. There's like these worm monsters are shooting shit at you, and you're like, ah, shield, ah, fuck it, like running up, and it feels really good. The shield feels great. The sword combat feels awesome. You got like a crossbow that you can use. Um, it's a beautiful, gorgeous, lush, colorful world that you're in, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have some fucking fun with this game. Uh, fun puzzles and stuff, uh, just like cool, interesting little story. Like it's a full actual, you know, story to it. Um, which you don't often find a lot, but you're finding it way more now. Like when VR started, it was all just kind of tech demo-y. Like that's what Death Horizon is really. It's a 2017 game that they've updated and made better now, obviously. But like around that time when VR was kind of picking up, most of the games are just, they're kind of just like proof of concept that this can work, right? Um, And to call them full-fledged games, like Resident Evil 7, that was really it. Like that was like, that's a full game. But now I find like, looking even at Quest 2, there's a lot of games that you'd really say are like, yeah, that's like a full real experience. Um, So anyway, I'm also, uh, (laughs) sort of funny enough, I uh, found out that my insurance was willing to cover uh, prescription lenses for the (laughs) Oculus Quest. So I got some prescription oh. lenses covered. Yeah, oh. I mean, they're like, well, they're prescription. And I was like, yeah, they are. And they're, and, and they're lenses. And they're like, technically, you're right. <laughs> so I was like, so I can buy them and you'll reimburse. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> they didn't sound happy about it, but they're like, yeah, we will. <laughs> I'm like, great. So I got reimbursed for my VR lenses. Uh, and I will say, it works fine with glasses. Like, it is fine. Um, but obviously, it can kind of, you know, your glasses get a little, like, dinged up a little bit. So the lenses that I'm getting, they just push right on to. Also, warning for people. I went with, um, if you're interested in getting VR lenses, which I do recommend if you have glasses, um, the one I went for was a German company called VR Optician. Obviously, they're not fucking sponsoring us. They don't even know that we exist. But um, the reason I went for that is they have these push-on ones. They, like, push right onto it. And I've seen a lot of advertisements. Like, the minute I got the Oculus Quest 2, it was, like, every fucking prescription lens company was, like, I uh, hear you're getting an Oculus, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like such, <laughs> just everywhere. And there's ones like VR Wave and stuff, but I've heard that the VR Wave they do this thing where it's an attachment on it, and it's like magnetic, so you can easily pull them off. But the problem is, it squeezes your nose, and it's like this hard plastic that like goes onto your nose and like really hurts apparently. And a lot of people have this issue. But the VR optician ones, because they just go directly onto the lens and they squish right onto it, you don't even notice that you've got those lenses on it at all it's like Mm. it's like you haven't added anything to it um so yeah that's my recommendation anyway that's uh oculus uh get ready for vr chats folks because i'm i'm totally sold again (laughs) um really quickly i started mass effect 3 i love this game it's a good game very good game that's all I got to say about it. <laughs> we'll talk more about it later. I'm like 10 hours in already. I'm fucking blasting through it at this point. Uh, and last one that we're talking about, because uh, Paolo, we're going to pick up on this together. <gasps> Shin Megami Tensei 5. <gasps> oh boy. Yeah, I'm in now. This game is good. Yeah, this game knows what it's fucking doing, man. It saves all the stupid story gobbledygook for like 
10, 15 hours in. That's when I first got the real like thing of story. And I was like, I don't give a shit. Let me get back to the fucking demon stuff. <laughs> to, I mean, no offense <laughs> to it, but like these games aren't exactly known for their stories. Let's be real. Even if it is actually intriguing and interesting. As I was going to say, excuse you. Yeah. yeah but uh, it's just, I'm going to be real with you here. This one, maybe four was the one that really tried to dabble with story. This was not so much, but, um, the gameplay is real great. Um, I'm way over leveled right now, but that's mostly because I'm getting really obsessed with doing every little fucking thing I can do. I got all the me men in that first zone. So I'm in like, what would be like the second, like, I don't even know what to call them. There's like areas, right? Like where, you, I don't know. I don't know what is a spoiler or not. Cause I've never played Shin Megami Tensei game. So I don't know how. Tell me nothing. Yeah. I own a copy. So I will I be playing. Well, I'm not it. Say, yeah. There's nothing really to explore to be honest, but uh, I've been like just doing it's so many things. Well, there's not really much. <laughs> Let's be honest here. I, I, there's not much. Okay. This is a game about the experience, you know? It's about playing it. It's about the gameplay. It's not really about the story beats or whatnot. Uh, but anyway, I'm having a great time. What about you, Paula? I'm also having a great time. And I noticed how fucking over level you were <laughs> when I finally got to fuse the demon you said you, you, you beat the first boss with. And I'm gonna say I'm like five levels behind you. Yeah, probably. I'm like level. What level are you right now? Oh, whatever level you were in the first boss. That's oh, the no. level I'm at. Okay, I'm like level twenty-five at this point, and I'm like way above. You monster! But also, there's a lot of gospels that you can get um, that boost your level up and whatnot. You just gotta find them. There's a lot of them, so I, I got boosted real good. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've I've been doing like. Uh, I've been hunting because I want yeah, to I get my abilities and stuff, but it's still like, oh boy, I don't know how you got like so over level so quickly but, because I've been doing like a lot of the side stuff too. Yeah. I think it's because uh, yeah. you guys scared me. So I was really doing everything I could, you know, playing lots of battles, trying to get all Oops. the demons I could get, doing all this shit. Cause I'm like, this game's gonna be so hard. And then like, it is hard. It is, it's not easy, but I just, I got properly leveled and, you know, figured out my strategies and then I've been nailing it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah still, I've become I'm, a little fan of the cinematics. Oh my God, the cinematic of the first boss. Chef kiss. Yeah. Like, there's something about the cinematic because on Cinematic Nancy 4, the game is awesome. Mm-hmm. And when the bosses are revealed, it's like this huge pixel art thingies. It's and like images, yeah. And the music and stuff. And it's awesome. Now imagine that you have 3D models and they do like this whole entrance. Ooh. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's awesome. I'm excited. Like, I don't know what kind of wizardry, like, Apple Spade to, did with this game because it, it looks too good for to be a Switch game. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, it's very pretty. And the gameplay is pretty tight. I still feel that the... I'm split between saying that the, the press turn system is more broken than 4 or, like, more balanced than 4 because I don't really remember what 4 was like uh in that regard but at the very least like the game feels fair it is difficult but it is fair like everything you can the enemy can do 
everything the enemy can exploit, you can exploit too. So. And this is always the fun thing with the press turn system. Like it's broken, but it's broken both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you, you can you can really rinse it, but if you make a misstep, the enemy will absolutely do the same back to you. I've also noticed yeah. that in the first bit of it, there's like a lot more. Um, like it feels like you're like breaking it more, but then as you move on it gets a lot harder. Like they start throwing some wrenches in your plans. Some repels. You know? Yeah. Yeah. They know what you can do. Yeah. They throw some repels and also there's some, you know, absorption and stuff like, yeah, there's some These motherfuckers get trippy. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, so I can't keep playing this game until my boyfriend like makes some progress because again, we're supposed to be like on par and he was ahead of me before, and now I'm ahead of him, so I have to wait for him to, like... Catch up. Catch up, so I can keep playing. And I want to keep playing because it is so awesome. And I can't get enough of the battle beam. It is beautiful. Ooh. As always. Like, Rick, you're, you're gonna enjoy this so much. I cannot wait. I'm in two minds over whether I play 4 Apocalypse on 3DS first, or I just bite the bullet and go straight for 5. Go straight to five. Straight to five. Okay. Straight to five. And you think I'll be able to go back to four apocalypse and like still have a good time with it? Yeah, I think so. If you like the okay. games, I'm sure you'll be alright. <laughs> Touche. Hmm. Watch this space, people at home. <laughs> Paula, why don't you tell us about the rest of the games that you're playing? <laughs> okay, so first of all, uh, Time Hollow. This one is a recommendation from a friend, and all I knew jumping in was. This has time travel, and you have to make circles. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so far, I've gotten to see, like, what the normal life of the protagonist, Ethan, is. And now I see something happen, and everything is flipped upside down. Like, upside down. Like, things are not how they are supposed to be here. So, I'm, I, I'm not yet, like... I haven't been yet introduced to the main mechanic besides a cutscene, I'm going to say. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this one. Because at the very least, the setting itself or how the the story started, it really really has me invested. Uh, The other game that I'm playing, the one Rick Retire, is Hamter Heartbreak. And I've gone through the first section of the game of the game. You could say like the first major mission, and it it has the repetitiveness that I think it may or may not kill it for me, depending on how long this game ends up being or how I don't know. Like this game has like nostalgia for me because Hamtaro, so. I guess I'm a little bit more patient with it because of it. And because kids have surfing cute and the it just looks super pretty. It's so, to that. It, look, it really is lovely artistic. Yeah. It's pretty lovely, but I can see like the repetitiveness of selecting everything on the menu. It may or may not kill it for me. But what I've heard because Aaron told me that these games are supposed to be like for kids to learn how to read or something like that. Hmm. So that's why you have to select the action from the menu because you you associate the text with the with the action pretty much. Yeah. 
uh, which is a neat idea. I, I just wonder where everything is going or how are, because the, the, there's this evil hamster thingy breaking up couples and stuff like that, which is pretty silly, but charming is in its own way. So I'm trying to see like where this is going because we, we don't even have like battles and stuff like that. So I, I wonder how we're going to stop this. Uh, so yeah, that's for Hamter Have Have Heartbreak. Uh, one game that I was playing just before the recording is Nino Kuni: Wrath of the White Witch on Switch. Love that game. Mm. This game, I I I started this game like a long time ago, so I have to like replay, it, like restart it. And I just went past the the section of the game that I stopped at, and this game is charming. I really love that Ghibli participated like in the animation the character designs and 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 all that stuff because it really feels like a jiggly movie made into a video game like it it has the same charm of any jiggly movie and obviously because jiggly work on it too but so far i've been having a lot of fun the battle system which is a sort of real time is very interesting. And I went through the first boss already. It wasn't like too difficult. Like the combat isn't too difficult yet. I know there's like more stuff to it, but I I haven't gotten to it. And yeah, uh, I, I probably have more to say like next week or in a couple of weeks where I'm more into the game, but so far so good. And finally, and I mistyped this, beautiful, is uh, Dairoku Ayakashimori or Dairoku Agents of Sakuratani. And this is the Otome game that was released way back in November that I finally got the chance to start. And I'm in. Like, I wasn't expecting to like this one as much, but um it has a lot of charm okay so you play as Tino, who is this um girl who is trying to get into like a government kind of like um job but before the stuff happens as always she gets chosen because of a special ability she has she can see um she pretty much can see ghosts, yokai, uh, mythical beings, all that stuff. So she gets a job in like a special division of the government that it's the special agency Okoburo or Pura, I don't know how to say that word, division six. So uh, right away, like in the title of the game, you have Dairoku, which is like the sixth. And that's because of the division they are in. So that's the division what they're nicknamed because the, the, the official name is like too fucking long. And then you have the 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 title of the game in, in Japanese that is Ayakashi Mori because they are guarding the Ayakashi that are like the spirit beings that live in this like more, I'm gonna say like spirit world or the world of the dead. So you have your kitsune, you have your oni, you have like a lot of Japanese traditional like creatures 
um, maybe Kamen, I guess, or maybe Pretty Boys. And then you have the English title, which is Agents of Sak. Oh, and the other thing that I like about the name of Ayakashi Mori, because it is a, a combination of the word like Ayakashi and Guardian, that is Mori. They, they call, like other divisions call them Ayakashi Omori, that is like babysitters for the, for the Ayakashi. And that is a completely irrelevant fact for everyone who is listening, but anyways. And the English name is Agents of Sakuradani because Sakuradani is where, where the Ayakashi like live. For those who are curious, like how the fuck did they get that title for the English release? So anyways. Um, so she, you know, is pretty much like on her first, like they like going through the, um, through Sakura Tani, like exploring, like, you no know, meeting all these, um, Ayakashi and like talking with different people for different parts of the, of this place. And there's like a little bit of gameplay sprinkled of the, on this because she has, she, she has been trained in the art of like stealing or like I want to say like detaining these uh these spirits. So uh, she's like one of the people who are in charge of the spirits, like not be misbehaving and going through the world of the humans and causing um and wrecking havoc there, or just like they behave in in, in Sakuratani and stuff like that. So so far, so good. I love Chino as a protagonist. And there's a lot of characters. And also the art was made by the same person who uh, did the art for Parable Wars, which is a game that I should probably just replay to talk about in the podcast. Uh, that also has mm -hmm. like that, um, I want to say like World of the Dead aspect to it. So the art uh, for Dairoku uh, Agents of Sakuratani actually fits pretty nicely to the overall ambience of the of the game. The music mm. I'm not so sold on yet, but let's see. Mm. And that's for the playings, I guess. All right. Well then, why don't we move right along to our topic this week? Um, so the community basically went through and took a look at um, the. <laughs> IGN's top 100 and Famitsu's top 100, which just kind of came up in, in the How Long to Beat Discord. Um, and then Dune and, and uh, Freud and like a bunch of people were like breaking down everything and like looking at the developers and uh, looking at like how many were published and whatnot. And Dune created a whole <laughs> Google sheet for it, like Excel sheet on all this stuff. So I think we're just going to kind of take a look at these, um, talk a little bit about kind of the differences and uh, what kind of strikes us a little bit. Um, to start off, I, I went through and I looked at and tried to see like how many games that I played from each, and I was a bit surprised. I've played 80 of the IGN's top 100, beaten most of those, and I've Damn. beaten or played 60 of the Famitsu's top 100, um, which did surprise me a little bit. My blind spots are actually Final Fantasy, and oddly enough, I really haven't played many of those games. Um, but yeah, I think what's... I don't know about you two, and like I feel like this was kind of the consensus on the uh, Discord as well, but IGN's top 100 feels a lot more representative of a diverse gaming. <laughs> like, uh, you know, like, it's just kind of 
Famitsu's is very much Japan. Like, there's like four or five yeah. that aren't from Japan in there. Well, I mean, even ignore Japan. Like, between nin- between Pokemon and Nintendo, 28 of IGN of Famitsu's top 100 are accounted for. Mm-hmm. You add Square Enix back to that, and then you have almost half. Yeah. Only six of the games weren't developed in Japan, and one of those six was developed by Rare for Nintendo, right? <laughs> so. And one other of those six was Undertale, which is a deconstruction of the RPG genre that is like fairly popular over, the, uh, yeah. over there. Though I have to say, and, and funny enough, Ghost of Tsushima as well, which arguably... It was it was you know posed by Sony so I don't even know in Japan they may have been like oh it was made by an American team <laughs> you know what I, mean? like, mm. I don't know if you would even necessarily know that it wasn't one that genuinely surprises me and no shade on this game it's just Dead by Daylight like yeah I saw that actually that did jump out at me as well I was like oh, yeah it's um, the only Canadian Apex one on there. <laughs> Apex Legends I do get I get that like that to me makes sense because they've been it's been really popular in. Uh, um in japan but i just i didn't know dead by daylight was that popular there you know like like what i mean (laughs) i think the other wrinkle with famitsu's list and i don't i don't necessarily see it in ign's list so maybe it's not there it's just there less it's just the amount of like um what's it called series overlap yeah that, that almost chunks the list out in a weird way and i wonder if that's just the way they ask the questions so for example if you look at square enix you have Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy X, Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy V, Final Fantasy IX, Final Fantasy XIV, Final Fantasy IV, Final Fantasy III. So I think literally you're missing Final Fantasy I and II. And like... Well, you're missing 12, 13, and uh, 15. Which is not that surprising, actually. But but also... I mean, 11 and 8 of that, it's like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5... Six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Eleven of the top 100 are fucking Final Fantasy games. I know. I'm like, yeah, it's a great series. I like quite a lot of the Final Fantasy games, but yeah, limit yourself to a couple. Like, give yourself a bit more scope to fit other things into that 100. Christ. I, I have to say, though, like, part of me feels like maybe, and I, I especially think about this when I think of the Final Fantasies, because they're not, like, they're not, like, really connected. I sometimes feel like, you know, they're their own things. Like when you look at, like you think about, like when I think of five and six, they're so different. And now I get though that mechanically they're similar, but why? Well, no, not even they, because they change mechanics and they change, uh, they change like story and all that. The ones that I actually feel like there's less of an argument for are the Dragon Quest ones. Cause yeah, the Dragon Quest fuckers just are pretty similar. Together, like, yep. <laughs> but actually even them, they change up a lot. I don't know, whatever it's, but then only nine and 10 are on the list. And those are very, very different games. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Dragon Quest has, oh, nine, has nine, 11, one, two, me. three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games on it. It's two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, 10 and 11 for Dragon Quest. Hey, am I looking at the right list? Yeah, you should look at the... Yeah, I'm, I'm on the Famitsu one. I'm on I'm on Freud's Pacement. Go, no, no, no. That's the different thing. Go into the go into our um, agenda and click on uh, Dune's um, link. I have the spreadsheet also. Yeah, I have go the spreadsheet. To the spreadsheet also. I just you can this. sort it by series and by title. And if you sort it by series, you'll see them all. Dune did incredible work here with this. And there's a lot of Mario ones in here too, which I actually feel a little more... Um, like I'm a little more open with those ones though. What I will say is 
um, absolutely blows my goddamn mind that Mario Kart Wii is over there, over the like Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and that they have Super Mario Kart as well. Bullshit! Two two Mario Kart games are <laughs> in the top 100. Bullshit! Like that's just come on. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think it's interesting because something I wanted to look at too is like I was curious if there was any kind of like recency bias going on within them, um, and like it's hard to know for sure. Like how you would even quantify that per se. But like the Famitsu's goes back to 1982. IGN's goes back to 1981, which arguably I'm like, yeah, that's pretty far back. Uh, and it's Xevious, which I don't know. But um, 2017, man, there was a lot of good games that came out that year. Um, and it seems like across both lists, like it's kind of neat to look at each list and see like where there's like um, like real concentration of uh, of games that are like considered best. Um, and for sure, like within, um, both of these lists, but even more so, I think in, um, IGN's top 100, 1998, that was for sure a big year, right? Like even in that one, it's like, you're looking at the list and there's like one or two games per year. And then suddenly you hit, um, 1998 and you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, right? And you've got fucking... Fallout 2, StarCraft, Pokemon Yellow, Metal Gear Solid, Ocarina of Time, and Half-Life. And it's like, fuck, you know, like mm-hmm. that year slapped. <laughs> like it was just like, damn. Um, and the same with 2004, right? Like that's when we get Half-Life 2, Halo 2, Metal Gear Solid 3, World of Warcraft, San Andreas. Although Burnout 3, interesting. Uh, <laughs> great game. Great game. I think you could replace that with the new Forza game, to be honest. Um, Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, that was 2003. But anyway, it's just interesting to me to like look at the years wherein there's just like this big convergence of like big, huge titles that come out. Um, And yeah. It's also not especially surprising because there are like vintage years for games. Yeah, right. It's totally a thing that happens. 2016 as well. Um, And it always seems to be mid-gen as well, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. and even even really 2020, when you look back at it, it's like, man, that was a pretty big goddamn year for games. You know? <laughs> Got Hades, Half-Life, Alex. Half-Life, always coming in there, you know, in those big years. It seems like if a Half-Life-ish game releases, you got yourself a big year of games coming ahead. <laughs> yeah. I think it's also interesting, though, when you look at the more recent years where there's like a recency bias that definitely comes in. Like Resi 2 Remake, sure, like it landed well. But is it top 100 games of all time? Really? I think so, honestly. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Big okay. Time. That that game is incredible, man. Like it just proves. Listen. Yeah. I I say that as someone who's not played it. Oh, like, it's it's all it's all outside impressions. But as far as I'm concerned, it's the best Resident Evil game ever made. Like it's incredibly good. Replay value. Resident Evil remake. Okay. Yeah. It's the only Resident. Oh, Evil game I'm thinking played. Resident Evil Three remake. That's no, what I'm no, doing. no, no, no. Wow. Yeah, Resident Evil Three remake is. Yeah, fun. that makes a bit more sense. Resident Evil remake makes a bit more sense. Yeah, it is one of the yeah. best uh-huh. out there. But then also Mortal Kombat 11. I'm sure it's wonderful, but is it the best? I don't it's, know. It's half ten at the time recording in the UK. Cut me a little bit of slack. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that there are like other factors that may influence like why these games are like particularly popular over other games mm-hmm. like well first of all like one thing that i've been made aware of from japan is that first of all they they like more of their hand kills so if you like take away the uh, a couple of the um 
PlayStation exclusives, you'll see that most of the games of, of, the, of the last few years have been made available on some sort of handheld uh, system, mm. such as like mm. even like Xenoblade Chronicles, maybe maybe most play, most people played on the Wii, but like the new 3DS was a thing there. Um, the Switch port the, as well. The Pokemon games have always been like a handheld staple. Um, the Zelda games that are there, like Breath of the Wild, again handheld. Tops both lists. And there's like a, and all the Vita ports, like for Final Fantasy X, and like all the Final Fantasies that were made available on the Vita via the. What's the name? The PS1 thingy. Mm, classics. So maybe the the systems available or like the system most most people have available is one of the factors that may influence it. Because if you think about it, like one of the reasons why Japan had such a hard time, like um, pretty much like going uh, like working from home. Is because most people don't have internet on their houses or don't have a computer. They just use fax because Japan is weird like that. They use mm. fax still. So the food for thought, I guess, because if you see, there's like either PlayStation or Nintendo. You don't see like anything computer. Well, I think too, though, like, wasn't this, um, actually, is this even the, hold on. Cause I was getting confused for a second here. I feel like, um, yeah ah okay good so i don't think this was famitsu's particular one because it was a survey of people it was, it was a people survey did put it online yeah and this is the difference so ign it's like all the staff writers have come together and collectively picked one um so that uh, it is to a degree apples and oranges but i think it's still an interesting comparison oh for sure but i also think and i think mm-hmm. this is where you also have like the discrepancy in the way that they've gone about it because i think with ign's They've made a bit of an effort to like split categories out and franchises out a little bit and be a bit more selective in terms yeah. of fitting things that way. You can definitely see in terms of Famitsu, obviously, like when you take a survey, people will pick their favorite Final Fantasy, or whatever. And because it's such a popular franchise, enough people vote for their favorite one, it makes the cut. Um, yeah. I personally feel like they should have done a bit of editorializing when they put that all together and, and maybe filtered through that a little bit more. Uh, but that's the way that they've chosen to do the survey. It's also interesting because what you're seeing essentially is like IGN's top 100 is like curated by, you know, um, professionals in their like, you know, by games journalists, right? Like the people who are spending all their time doing this. So mm. it's not necessarily, it's like a mixture of games that are both popular, but also um, probably critically acclaimed, right? At least in some some range. Whereas... Famitsu's top 100 one here from TV. I think it's Asahi was the like the TV program that was doing it. It's more like, and it's pretty like they did a. Re- it was a big freaking survey that they did. It's more just like what are the best selling games of all time? That yeah, were good, kind of. you know. <laughs> um, but then I suppose good. that. Sorry, go on. Oh, sorry. Well, I was going to say that were also good because then you also get the absolute ridiculousness that is Persona 5 Royal and Persona 5 and being Persona on Famitsu's top one. This is what I mean. Like, this is the kind of thing where maybe if they'd taken an editorial hand to that survey result and said, well, fine, we're going to collect those together as their own entry mm-hmm. and 
bump them up sort of and you, you list it as five stroke royal sort of thing i i think another thing that makes that really interesting when you remember it's a survey it's just the sheer cut through of a game like undertale yeah in that market uh and the recency bias definitely helps it a little bit uh, it had a bit of a tail in that it got ported to switch and also to ps4 and vita um but nevertheless that's like a an outside game small sort of niche-ish indie project uh, that in a public survey has finished above Minecraft. Yeah. Do you know what's wild too, though? Like, when I'm looking at this list um, for Japan, it's like, there's no link to the past in there. <laughs> it's not like, mm. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, uh, like there's not as many um, SNES games as I maybe would have expected. But maybe that's just, I don't know. Like, you look at that and you go over here and it's like, uh, it is fascinating to me to see the kind of crossover of like what, has, like you said, actually penetrated through. Um, because when I look at, this really does, to me, honestly, look like here are the cultural differences between Japan and the West's gaming tastes. You know yeah, what I for mean? Sure, for like sure. It's yeah. just like you're like, bam, there it is, folks. Like mm. very clear and, and, and concise. Um, and I don't know, the sheer amount of Pokemon games on there, it's like uh, a healthy reminder that... Um, they don't make them for us. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, we got Pokemon Yellow on the IGN Top 100, and then they've got, like, every fucking Pokemon game made out there. And I'm like, yeah, so they're made for Japan. Um, <laughs> and the rest yeah, of the Pearl and Diamond of all games scored, like, the highest of all the Pokemons, right? Yeah, Diamond and Pearl is the highest at 11. And then you got Sword and Shield at 14, like, not far behind. Red and Green. Yeah. Um, How'd you feel about that, Paula? Oh no! Like they want to. I don't have any problem with they want to. I actually no, like they want to. No, 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 no. Sword and Shield. Oh, Sword and Shield. Oh yeah, fuck the game. Fucking gold and silver at thirty six. Like kill me now. Um, but I, <laughs> no, I love those ones. Yeah, I'm like, why are they so low? <laughs> I don't know. Like I've been on the Pokemon fandom enough, like long enough that people uh, usually said like the series started going downhill with the 3D titles. And since I guess, like, since in Japan, like, the uh, Pokemon Black and White were actually based more on um, United States, I guess, maybe between that and Burnout, Japan was like, nope, or like, they didn't like it as much. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I gotta say, too, like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm science. not a scientist. I love that. That's great. <laughs> One thing that I noticed from these lists that impresses me, I mean, obviously Nintendo just dominates, right? Nintendo is, yeah. they just create quality games. But then also Capcom um, obviously had a bunch on uh, the Famitsu one, and then they all, but they had almost the exact same amount on the IGN Top 100. Like they have one, two, three, four, five, six on the Famitsu one, and they've got one, two, three, they have five on um, the Top 100, which is like pretty impressive, right? Like these little companies. Um, Albeit for like a Japanese company, Capcom feels slightly strangely American. I know. Just right? me? Yeah. No, I do know what you mean. Maybe that's also because they've spent so much in like making movies and things for their materials and whatnot. And like Street, Street Fighter has like had such a presence. Like, I don't know. There's something about them. They, I think you're right though. Capcom has always, I feel like they've always tried to tap into the international markets 
more. Not always with great success. It, no. it, it's very <laughs> worth saying. <laughs> nope, that's for sure. Um, but they've always <laughs> tried to, I feel like. Um, and especially with the Resident Evil series. I mean, that whole thing is basically just a, uh, you know, play on American militarism. <laughs> like, you know. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. They're really... These lists, I think, are really fun and interesting. Like, I, I really enjoy looking at them because they do give you this kind of a, a real sort of zoomed out perspective on just how huge this industry is. And, mm. um, and also like, like, honestly, at this point, when you say curious games of all times, like just the last 10 years, you could make a top 100 list easily with games that should be played 100%. You know what I mean? And What's it's that? Like, the last gen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just like no, just the last gen, you have a lot of to choose from. Right? Um Gary. Though it is interesting because when I look at these lists, and then when you do it by year, something that I do think is maybe more maybe this is I don't know, I feel like books particularly and you know, film and whatnot have been a little sheltered by this. Like you could still go back and watch some old stuff and be like, dope, but uh there's definitely some of these like you look back and you're like interesting to see the ones that have survived the test right like go to ign's top 100 and what are the ones that have survived well they're the gameplay focused ones right donkey kong miss pac-man tetris super mario bros one and three mega man three super right like all the games from the 80s that have made that list are like mechanically focused games and those are the ones that have kind of held up the best right and like games that have and and i'd even argue like you were saying too um, and obviously this will be like personal opinion and whatnot, but like you're talking about God of War three and whatnot and like the spectacle of it and how that's kind of lost its sheen a little bit. And it's like, yeah, it seems like that's kind of a tale as old as time now for games, but you also don't, you can't Thank really you avoid s- it. Yeah. They do see like the Japanese and there's like some gameplay focus ones, but most of them are like story focused ones. Hmm. Though I don't know for the first, for the first, uh, for the the 80s they do seem pretty um oh yeah for the for the 80s but like for the 90s you have where the fuck is suikoden but like suikoden is one of those like more character games i guess or character driven games that people yeah. really love of because of how how many endings or like how how varied i guess or how different can be your gameplay experience uh because of who you recruit or who you save. Yeah. But maybe that's also the cultural differences that we're seeing too, right? Like more, yeah. there's clearly a higher acceptance of turn-based <laughs> games in yeah. Japan than there is here. I mean, if we were to look at the type of games that these are, um, if we were to add another column and find out like how many games are turn-based RPGs, I feel like, I think conservatively half of the Japanese list are turn-based RPGs. Like, it's a lot, you know, um, or at least yeah. some kind of turn-based mechanics. And then you have Monster Hunter just be, be, yeah, on the RPG pile too. Yeah, right. I mean, just the Pokemon games alone. All right, six, seven, eight, yeah. Nine. yeah, there's 10 of them. So I think I could say pretty confidently, probably half of this list is turn-based. <laughs> uh, yeah, because you have, what, uh, Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, Pokemon... Um, yeah. what was the Drake, other one? Suikoden. Suikoden, uh, Tactics Ogre. Uh, 
which I guess Persona. Is it's more of a strategy RPG, but I mean, you could count it. Yeah, but it kind yeah. of fits into that world. But yeah, Persona for sure. Interesting, no Shin Megami Tensei. I was kind of surprised by that. I thought in Japan, but maybe that's... Even in Japan, niche. it's pretty niche. Yeah. Yeah. Especially compared to fucking Pokemon and Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest. Yeah, I, when or I look at it... even just compared to Persona. Yeah. And you look at these lists and you're like, okay, it kind of makes sense. Though Bloodborne got on that list, so... Who knows, right? No, difficulty might be something you're into, but yeah. I, I, I Anyway, these are really fun lists, so I appreciate um, community kind of putting this stuff together. And there's yeah, anything else press, to, yes. Yeah, if there's anything else you want us to talk about about this, let us know. We'll whip it, do a new game plus or something. But uh, yeah, any, any final thoughts you, on this list? If you want to see, uh, to the listeners, you, you all want to see like our top 100 or what our top 100 games of all time would look like. Also, let us know. Oh my and God. Then tell us what your top 100 is in the comments down below, just underneath that like button. Nice. You just got to be scared, pal. We have to make a top 100. <laughs> no, no. We're going to have it done. Dear God, that could be fun. All right. Why don't we move on to... <laughs> How long to beat the game? Um, all right, Rick. Guess who came prepared, bitches. Oh, shit. Uh, hey. This week's game is none other than Cat Quest. Oh, which I is quite that Because oh. Kira the Fluff is bouncing around in the back. I own it. I've played like the first 10 minutes, loved it, and need to go back to it. Kira's on like a dream that's quest that's by the look of it. Yeah. <laughs> She'd be sleeping. I'm going to do a solid five, five, five. <laughs> I am going for not a lot six, six, six. I'm going for, oh my god, where the thing is. Fine, I'll do, <laughs> I'll do five, for... six, seven. Cats are beasts, right? That counts. Yeah, cats are beasts. Yep. I, I just don't I'm going to go for six, uh, six and a half. It's kind oh of, god. you know what this game too, though? Like, this is not seven. necessarily like a great game, but this was a game that came out on the Switch when there was really nothing to play, and it was fun enough, you know? Like, I was like, oh, it's fun. Um, yeah, not gonna blow your mind. All right, Rick. Uh, okay, so I'm doing five, six, seven. Rick, you're doing six, 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 and Pala six, six and a half, and seven and a half. What do we got? Fuck my cock. <laughs> Shit. Uh, it's gonna be like one of those twenty-seven <laughs> or hours, Six hours, eight hours, eleven and a half hours. <laughs> Fuck those half hours oh though, right, Rick? <laughs> Fuck them all. <laughs> Fuck all them half hours. So, so that means I'm at 153. Listen, <laughs> it's my edit. This is getting like a, a hate title of Fuck My Cock. Fuck My Cock. There we go. What was that other one I said before? Oh, I should have put it in there. Oh, Suck My Metadick. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. I, <laughs> don't worry. When I listen to it again, we'll see what my favorite is. Um, and Paola has 130. Okay, wow, we're getting closer here. So yeah. 153, Rick 143, Paola 133. Paola's just creeping up there, getting close. It's, yeah, it's filtered out. I'm, I'm not happy I'm with that. I'm going for you too. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, awesome. Thanks, everybody. That was another great episode. We'll see you next week. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> 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 next week, guys. <laughs>